Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dieter Randolph and I am so happy to be part of this continuing series. We've been really getting some good questions and comments and feedback as we work through our primary textbook. There's amazing stuff that, that is coming up for people, so please keep the questions and comments coming. I think it's so much fun to work through this together. Now today we're going to talk about a story about the fall of Jericho. And this is a story about overcoming seemingly uh, insurmountable odds. This is a story about how to do it differently than what it seems like it ought to be done. Sometimes the answers come from strange places, you know? And so that's part of it. It's a story about what to hang on to and what to let go of and what to really, really, really let go of. And I think that there's pieces of that that you and I can deal with. You know, there's a lot going on in each and every one of our lives. And in one way or another, there is a Jericho to be dealt with. And so if that's you, it's me too, then you've come to the right place. So with all that in mind, let's get going with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is and so it does. Amen. So let's get right into it. This story of the fall of Jericho is Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through uh, chapter 6, verse 27. It's the book of Joshua. And as we get into this, he gets his own book, Joshua does. And uh, it's important to understand that he is now running the show. He's leading the children of Israel. Now, the last time we tuned in, that was Moses' job, remember? And it seemed like he was doing a good job. The whole Red Sea thing, you know, we talked about all of that. This is a big deal. And so given that we kind of have to skip pieces and, and jump around a little bit, it's a natural question to go, okay, how come there is a change in leadership? And this isn't just like a switching of the Darren's on Bewitched or something. There's something that really, really important has happened here. And so it's outside of the narrative of the fall of Jericho, but I have to talk about it just for a moment. Now, remember, if you will, that the basic idea is that Moses is leading the children of Israel out of captivity, you know that part, and into this promised land that's on the other side of the Jordan River, right? That's the deal. And along the way, there's all kinds of things that happen along the way. There's this ongoing cycle of the children of Israel not really getting it, and Moses and Aaron and others having to come through and say, no, don't you remember of some big miracle, sometimes little miracles along the way as well. Over and over again, there's this cycle of, of the Israelites not getting it, Moses and God and Aaron and others having to step in. It's not different in a way from the cycle we see with Jesus and the disciples, where over and over again, the disciples kind of don't get it. And Jesus has to say, no, guys, it's like this. Remember, remember that thing we talked about? Remember that everything we talked about? It's like that, right? So there's this cycle. And there's a lot more to say. And we'll talk about that perhaps when we get to talking about Jesus and the disciples later on. But right now, just to sort of put a pin in that, I want to remind you that 
it's okay if you have moments where you don't get it. It's okay if you have moments where you're outright angry about it, confused about it, doubtful about it, ready to go back home, even if going back home means slavery. It's not unusual to want to go back to the old ways because they're at least familiar. Just like the disciples, just like the children of Israel, though, all you got to do is wait a minute and look at what brought you to where you are. This is important. Look at what brought you to where you are. And something will change for you. But the reason for the division in leadership, to get back to it, is the, the change, rather, not a division, the change in leadership, is that we're in a situation where we haven't crossed the Jordan yet, and there is no more food or water. This is a big deal. You're leading this big tribe through the desert, essentially, through the wilderness, and there's no water. Now, remember that over and over again, God has provided. So it's an amazing thing to, to think about those children of Israel uh, still being upset about it, still going, hey, where's the water? Come on, I thought this was going to be okay, when God has made it okay over and over again. As I said, look at your life. There have been moments where God has made it okay. Little things and big things too, where it didn't look like it was going to work out, and it did. Each moment, a step away from Egypt and a step into the promised land, just a little bit closer, big and small. And sometimes those things are so small that we miss them. So here's the Israelites saying, come on, Moses, what's going on? You're a terrible manager. We're thirsty. And here's the thing that happens. Moses prays as he does. And God says, all you have to do is speak to the rock and water will come out. All you have to do is speak the word, acknowledge the presence of God to the seemingly unmoving situation of your life and something life-giving will flow from it. Something changing will flow from it. There's a water and stone moment if ever there was one, you know. But you get the idea that after all this time, Moses is a little tired of having to explain this over and over again to the children of Israel, tired of over and over again having to go to the boss and go, can you help me out with these people over and over again? Moses is kind of over it, it seems like at least. And Moses comes out to the people who are complaining and whining and writing letters to the editor and, to, and wanting to speak to the manager and the whole thing. And Moses says, all right, do we got to do this again for you? Do we got to make water for you? Now, there's problem one, and it gets missed a lot. But remember, before this, Moses is very clear about the idea that God does this. There's no we. I don't make the miracle. God does. I'm just here for it. I'm a channel of it at best, right? That's my job. That is the right relation. But in that moment where Moses goes, here we go. I'm doing it. We're doing it. Me and Aaron, we're going to do this for you again. Something shifts. It represents a withdrawal of trust, let's say. It represents a misunderstanding of the relationship. And if it can happen to Moses, it can happen to anyone. So part of the lesson is to stay vigilant, to pay attention. But that's not the only problem. The, the, the ownership of it that Moses takes, which is inappropriate, as we said, is only part of the problem. It's a big part of the problem because 
Remember, we've talked about this in different ways a number of times before. It is not I, but the Father who does the work. I don't care how many self-help pop spirituality books you read that said you are a manifester. You're not. God manifests. God creates. You have a different role in this. You're here to tend the gardens, to love and to care and to bless and to help to grow, right? You're not making stuff. That's God's job. Very, very important and easy to misunderstand, right? So this is important. But there's another thing that happens. Remember, God tells Moses, speak to the rock. In other words, no action is necessary. You don't have to put a tap in it. You don't have to do anything like that. You don't got to set up a pump. This isn't an artesian well or something like that. Speak the word. Acknowledge the presence. That's all that has to happen. But Moses doesn't do that. He hits the rock with that famous walking stick of his. He hits the rock twice and water comes out. This is important because there's a couple of messages there. Water still comes out. Everybody still gets the water that they require to stay alive. In other words, even if you do it wrong, quote unquote wrong, even if you misunderstand, even if your anger gets the better of you, let's say, God will still conspire to keep you going. And you will go better if you acknowledge that presence and that power, where the water really comes from, and all of that. But because Moses takes responsibility for something that is not his responsibility, ownership for something that cannot be owned, can you own a miracle? Can you own love? This is a problem. In a materialistic culture, we deal with this all the time, right? But then instead of just acknowledging, instead of just speaking the word, Moses decides to take physical action. And in fact, we could argue violent physical action. You know, gently hit a rock, I guess. But because of those two things, because of that withdrawal of faith, that withdrawal of trust, that withdrawal of hope, I don't see any answers out there. I got to be the one to do it and I've got to make it happen. I got to force it. Well, that's not the way this works. That's not Eden thinking, that's post-Eden thinking, if you remember our lesson about Adam and Eve and all of that. And because of that, Moses doesn't get to cross the River Jordan. Moses, who represents an understanding of God as a set of laws, you know, thou shalt not and all of that, has to step aside. I can get you right up to the door, so to speak. But somebody else has to take over. And that somebody else is Joshua. Now, Joshua's name means something like love. And this is interesting. In this moment, we see a transition from an understanding of God like law into an understanding of God like love. And there's a lesson for us there, too. If you want to get all the way home, you need to not have it be thou shalt not. Because love isn't about what it isn't but rather an understanding of being, an understanding of what is, an understanding of, of right here and now. And that's what Joshua represents. And so now at least we understand why Joshua is in charge. Here comes Joshy J leading this crew across the Jordan River. Now pay attention too that so often this transition involves crossing a body of water. Remember what water means? It means unexpressed potential. There are these moments in your life where it's convenient to have the unknown stay unknown to not ask for the raise, ask for the phone number, put yourself out there, you know, to not go out on the date, to not step out on faith. 
But in order to get where God needs you to be, remember, God needs you to be here. In order to get where God needs you to be, sometimes you've got to cross that Rubicon, look that up later, cross the Jordan, cross the Red Sea, to take those moments to step through unexpressed potential and into something. And sometimes in your life, the waters part for you and it's made easy. And sometimes, like in this moment, they have to wade across. You get a little bit wet with it, and that's okay, too. There's all kinds of ways of growing. Isn't that a beautiful lesson? As long as you decide to move forward. But there's a problem. Because right on the other side of the, of the Jordan is this city, Jericho. And Jericho is impenetrably protected by this wall that cannot be re reached. And the children of Israel represent a pretty significant fighting force at this point. Maybe you saw that in the Charlton Heston movie. But they can't, you can't breach this wall. Joshua sends a couple of spies in and they go and they end up staying with uh, this lady, Rahab. They climb up this scarlet cord into her apartment and they, they do some spying around. But what they find out is, thanks for your help, Rahab. And in fact, you're on our team. And so if we win this, you're going to be okay. But... All they learn really is that there's no way to get through this wall. We can't hit it with swords. We can't throw rocks at it. We don't have, there's nothing. We haven't invented the bulldozer yet. There's no way for this to work. They give Rahab her red cord back and they say, tie it on your door so we know to keep you safe if we get in here. Don't know how. But then the Lord speaks to Joshua and he says, you can't get in with rocks and sticks and, and battle implements. This isn't how this works. You can't get in with outward things. Something else has to happen. And I'll tell you what that something is, the Lord says to Joshua. I want you to get all of your, your holy people, all of your wise men, all of, all of those kind of people, and all of your soldiers and all of your fighting people. Put your spirit and your action together, and you're going to march around the city of Jericho. Keep the Ark of the Covenant with you. Those laws, that remembrance of what's important, the words that the Lord has given you. This is important. Keep with you what you know to be true. But you're going to march around the city seven times. Remember the story? This is another good Sunday school story. You're going to march around the city seven times, and everybody's got to stay quiet. Nobody say anything. And in fact, Joshua later on uh, commands his men, you're not even allowed to talk until the moment I say. And after you've gone around seven times, I'm going to tell you to shout with all of the shouting that you have, with all of the voice that you've ever had. Shout all of those feelings and all of those emotions and all of that love and fear and power and pain and passion and everything else. You're going to shout from there. And if you've got a horn, you're going to blow the horn. If you've got a drum, you're going to play the drum. You're going to do whatever you need to do to play a sound when the time is right. This is interesting, too. I think sometimes people think that spirituality is a matter of just never shutting up. You know, that there's this idea that if I can just get enough affirmations out there into space or something, if I can wear God down with the length of, and verbosity of my prayers, that God will give up. Like it's that movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze, and I can just sing, you know, uh, I'm Henry VIII, I am, or whatever it is, uh, over and over again. But that's not it, is it? Maybe you've tried that. You can't wear God down any more than you can breach this wall. But something happens. Joshua and the children of Israel march around the city, and they march around the city, and they march around the city, and they march around the city seven times. I wonder what it must have been like to be one of the people in Jericho watching this crazy thing go on. 
But you know, that's part of the lesson. Because look, you know what's about to happen. Part of the lesson is, just like when we talked about Joseph, remember, you can't forgive truly or truly be forgiven if you're at the same state of consciousness that caused the problem, right? We talked about that when we talked about Joseph. This is like that. You can't fight fire with fire. You just burn things faster, right? It doesn't work that way. Something has to change. And so often in life, we try to solve our problems that, are, that seem like outer problems through outer means. But that's like putting a Band-Aid on something. You know what I mean? Sometimes the problems have to be faced not through mechanical mirror, uh, material means, not by hitting a rock. That's why I brought that story in today. But rather through spiritual means. So often, the answer, and this is part of the message of the Jericho story, the answer is go back to source. This problem isn't solved through might. This problem is solved through spirit. And so you know what happens. They march around, and when they get to that seventh time, uh, Joshua commands them to shout, and they shout, and they play the drums, and they play the trumpets, and they do all of the things that they need to do to make that noise that was made at the beginning of you, you know? when all was silent and then it wasn't. And with that deep shout, with that holy noise, the walls of Jericho fell. Now, this is a kind of a Quentin Tarantino, Sam Peckinpah kind of a moment because now there's a battle. And, and I guess sometimes we don't like to think about those things in the same way that maybe people don't like to talk about Jesus kicking over tables. But this is the story. And you know what? Sometimes in your life, there's a battle to be fought. It is not spiritual to allow bullies to continue to be bullies. You know what I mean? And so the children of Israel go in and they take over. They, it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, times a million. They take over. Everything is, is done. Everybody is killed. They win. The only people who are spared are Rahab and her family because of the scarlet cord. You know, you, you know the story. But something very interesting happens. Joshua says, nobody gets to take anything. Normally in a battle, you get to keep, you know, when you kill somebody, you get to go through their pockets, essentially, that kind of a thing. But nobody takes anything. We can't bring anything back from this. And in fact, scholars say this is the beginning of, of a concept called the harem, the holy war. And the idea is that no stone can even be on top of any other stone. In other words, this has to be leveled. And Joshua says, no one can ever come back and build here. This cannot ever come up again. This city of Jericho cannot be rebuilt. And that's really interesting. As we talked about with the story of Joseph, remember that one of the key ingredients of forgiveness is forgetting, right? One of the key ingredients of moving on has to do with really, really letting go. In other words, this city of Jericho and what it represents, it represents the ability to keep me out of the place where God needs me to be. The seemingly insurmountable obstacle which can just be taken care of when I speak the truth of who I am. That's what we're talking about. And I think so often... 
we can have some kind of an experience of victory where something comes through. When one of those miracles that happens every moment happens for us and we, we see it. You know, and I think so often that miracle can happen, that victory can happen. And there's such a temptation sometimes to go right back to the way that things were before. But let me make it as clear as I can. The point of a miracle is not to return you to your comfort zone. The point of a miracle is to bring you into the unknown. Miracles, and this is how you can tell. This is one of the ways you can tell if it's a miracle. Miracles bring you into a new place. And so Joshua's command to his troops, do not build on this foundation, do not take any of this with you, is really important for you and me too. Yeah, there's always something that can be learned from a story, but you know as well as I do that sometimes the thing can be, that, that can be learned is simply, okay, now I know what not to do. And I think a lot of us spend a lot of time thinking it's spiritual to, to well, what, what other good things can come from my abusive relationship? You're out now. That's probably it. Don't do it again. What good things can come from the fact that I used to hit my head against the wall and now I don't? What can I learn about that? You can learn, quit doing it. And gosh, guys, sometimes that's the whole lesson. Sometimes the lesson is don't build on a broken foundation. Don't build on dysfunction. Don't build on toxicity. It doesn't make you spiritual. It doesn't make you noble to set yourself up to be a martyr again. Now, remember, in any situation, there's something that can come out of it. Rahab and her family. And if you know your Bible genealogy, you know that Jesus is of that line. This is important. But for right now, think about your life. It could very well be that in order for you to cross the river of unexpressed potential, there is something that seems like it's stopping you. And it seems like no matter how much time, no matter how much money, no matter how strong you are or smart you are, or how wise you are, no matter how physically uh, gifted you are, you can't surmount this obstacle. And that's a good thing. Because it's going to remind you whether you know it through your connection with the Lord or you know it because you try to hit that wall with your hand a few times and realize it doesn't work, either way is fine. Like I said, there's all kinds of growing. But one way or another, that big wall is there to remind you that this problem is not solved through material means. This problem is solved through spiritual means. The time will come for you to speak the truth of who you are. Not quietly, not meekly, but with everything that you have. That time will come. And when that time comes, those walls will fall. And when those walls fall, let them stay down so that you can get to where God needs you to be because God needs you free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. As always, I want to thank you for being here with me. I, I can't tell you what it means. I want to thank you for liking and subscribing and sharing. It's so important for you to click that share button to tell other people about what we're doing. It's the only way we can get the word out about this. And I think this is pretty important, don't you? I also want to thank you for your gifts of love and substance. They help keep us going and we're counting on you to keep that going. So with that in mind, let's bless those gifts. Let's hold them in our minds and hearts and say our offertory blessing together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. 
God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. Amen. And finally, I want to remind you that wherever you are, whatever time of day you're watching this, you are not alone. You're part of this family. And so let's pray together as one family. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.